Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is the Vice Guide to Right Now, a daily rundown of all things Vice. It's Friday, February 9th. I'm Chris Hurdy. Today, we're talking to Frank Pinello, the host of our new series, The Pizza Show, about a topic we can all get behind. But first, the headlines. A leaked proposal from the Department of Homeland Security wants to penalize legal immigrants who use government subsidies for themselves or their kids. According to reports, immigrants who use certain services, such as food stamps, for six months or more could be disqualified from obtaining a green card or renewing a visa, even if their kids are U.S. citizens. So basically, the Trump administration wants to punish immigrants for being poor. President Trump took the time on Friday to send his best wishes to now former staff secretary Rob Porter, who resigned this week after being publicly accused of physically abusing two ex-wives and a former girlfriend. Trump said, quote, we wish him well. He worked very hard, found out about it recently, and I was surprised by it. We hope he has a wonderful career, and hopefully he will have a great career ahead of him. In addition to this kind farewell, Trump also defended Porter, who claimed to be innocent. And Bitcoin's epic crash has done little to stop crazed investors looking to get in on the action. Last week, Russian nuclear scientists allegedly risked their careers and state nuclear secrets to mine Bitcoin with a government supercomputer. They were arrested by Russian authorities. And now, here's the news you won't get anywhere else. The Pizza Show is Munchie's new mouth-watering series, all about pizza. The host is Frank Pinello, a born and bred Brooklynite who runs Best Pizza in Williamsburg. It's clear that Frank has had his fair share of New York pies, and his own pizza pays tribute to the Brooklyn greats like Roberta's in Bushwick and Lucali in Carroll Gardens. But in this show, he travels the world in search of that perfect combination of dough, sauce, and cheese. Here's Vices and Keita Rao speaking with Frank about this experience. You have this extremely enviable job that is a career that is surrounded by pizza. How did you make that happen? It's kind of happened very organically, actually. Uh, Best Pizza has been open for seven years now. We're on our eighth year. We're located right over on Havemeyer between North 7th and North 8th. Um, the first vice office in Brooklyn was right down the block on, on 8th Street and I think, you know, Barry or something. Early on, we just we just had a lot of vice people that would come in to eat. And uh, a lot of people from, I guess it was even before, it was definitely before Viceland. It was before Munchies existed because I remember they had a show that they called Munchies, right? And really what it was was Chef's Night Out. And I guess after a couple of years of Best Pizza being around, I got the call and they're like, hey, we're redoing Chef's Night Out. Would you be interested in being like one of the first chefs like coming out with us? And um, you know, Chris Parakini, who's the owner of Roberta's, along with a couple other guys, had had done an episode of it in, in the first version, I guess, of Chef's Night Out. And I remembered that. And when I got the call from Chris Grasso, who who took over the show, I was super excited because 
you know, I idolized Chris and those guys from Roberta's, and now that they were asking me to do the show, I felt really kind of excited about it. So it started, the pizza show started with the Chef's Night Out show. And the pizza show, I remember the first episode was actually this really kind of emotional episode about pizza in Brooklyn, which everyone knows this is like a world famous thing. How did that feel for you growing up in Brooklyn, working in pizza restaurants for most of your life, and then getting to just talk about that to an audience? It was great because on that episode, they kind of said, Frank, what do you want to do? You know, and it was cool because I got to pick these these places that were really special to me. So, of course, we went to Roberta's, we went to DeFaro, who's Dom DeMarco, and to Mark in Carroll Gardens, to Lucali's, who's, you know, one of my one of my very good friends. And to show pizza and, like, those three places and how different they are, but also how important they are to Brooklyn, it was nice, you know, it was nice. It felt like um, taking a little bit of a trip back in time and also, you know, the current day, it was, it was cool. For me, it was really eye-opening also. But, of course, pizza always brings up a lot of discussion, a lot of fights. I don't think I've seen New Yorkers get more heated about anything else. Um, How do you have a show that is, like, so based on personal preferences? Yeah, yeah. I agree with you. Pizza is extremely personal in New York. I've I've seen fistfights over pizzerias. It's crazy. It's like people arguing over what spot is better in a block and it's just like it's, it's I love it I love it because people are so behind the places that they grew up eating at you know I guess what we try to do is instead of like differentiate between we think what we think is better we, we just try to show love to all these special places you know and all these places that we've gotten to in my opinion are all special but a lot of them for different reasons you know some of them uh, the pizza is just so amazing you don't you have to go in there and talk about it some of them have this great just tradition and the look of the place is cool some of them are just you know neighborhood staples for whatever reason or the owners are very well known and and loved throughout the neighborhood so I think it was important to the whole team to kind of stay away from like judging what we thought was good and more kind of like let's give some love to this job that's kind of like everyone loves pizza and everybody you have to work really hard to own a pizzeria you know and I think uh, it's nice to shine a little light on that. Yeah, I thought it was interesting that the most recent episode, you go to San Francisco and you look at these companies that are basically automating the pizza process. Mm-hmm. So you come from this very traditional pizza making, hands-on process, and then suddenly you're in this kind of like tech Silicon Valley world where yeah. half of it's not made by a human. But what was it like being in that environment? Did you feel frustrated by seeing that or was it just a new experience? It was wild. Uh, I wouldn't say frustrated. It was definitely a new experience. You know, it was eye-opening. I always personally looked at pizza as something that was very, that's very important for it to be made by someone. And, like, it's it's really, like, there's all these natural things that are going on. A lot of times pizza's cooked with just the fire, and you know. There's all this elemental stuff. And to see it all being done by robots was, like, freaked me out that was our first trip when we went to like Silicon Valley and kind of talked about technology we went back to California and we went up to Napa and had like a cool pizza dinner with this oven that was built into the hill and drank a bunch of wine and that was a different side of California pizza you know what I mean it was it was really nice it was all based around really good food and these two chefs they just have super amazing careers and great guys kind of 
took me under their wing and and we cooked there so both sides of california were great the one side where it was these robots was like oh is this the future i'm not really sure i'm not sold on it but it was interesting to see and then the other side was like that napa living which was cool is there anything you've learned from making the show that's changed the way that you make your pizza great question i refer to the show as like a master's class in pizza for me it's it's everything I've learned you know I can't even begin to tell you um just being around a lot of these families and understanding their philosophy behind running the places and a lot of these people are just so glued to tradition and wanting to make like the last generation proud and carry on you know so there's a lot of uh that which I think is like you know, I talk about it with my friends who own restaurants. It's like theory, like pizza theory on how to like run a place and what it means to make it feel familial and all that. And then just other like operation stuff like, oh, look at the way that Umberto keeps his pans, you know? Like those square, his square pizzas are so good. He stores those pans so special. They're never getting washed, but they're getting wiped down properly and oiled and they're kept in this neat little spot. So like little things like that as well as like changed my outlook on pizza for sure, 100%. How many times a week do you eat pizza? <laughs> I like I'm not that I'm, I'm not a pizza freak really. You know, I love um you know trying new places, especially if a new place pops up. Me and Alana will will text each other like, "Hey, did you read about this?" and "Let's go grab it." Like without any cameras or anything like that. Um so uh, most of my pizza eating is with her or with like, you know, at, at my pizzeria, but um I honestly, like, when I'm hungry, all I crave lately is Asian food. It's like anything Japanese, anything, any, any. I really love um, different cultures and different flavors, and I grew up with a lot of these Italian flavors, so switching it up is nice, too. Is there any point when a pizza becomes, like, sacrilegious to you? Like, what have these people done to this food? (laughs) That's another good question, actually, Um, because I think that there was... I think there is still, uh, you know, pizzerias that kind of go over the top. I- I'm a minimalist. I, I love places like um, Anthony Mangieri's place. is one of pizzeria in Napolitan. He had one here in New York and San Francisco. Now he's coming back to New York. But he's, you know, his pizza is just so, it's simple and you could taste all the flavors. Fantastic. But then, you know, for a while you, you saw these like slice places that were kind of going off the spectrum with, with the pizzas. They would be put in all this wild stuff, Philly cheesesteak, pizzas, blah, blah, blah. But now there's like another iteration of that where it's like a place like Tony Bologna's, for instance. It's in uh, Hoboken, New Jersey. And owner Mike is a good buddy of mine. And his pizza is so wacky, but I love it because he goes through the steps of making it good. So he has like a taco pizza with like all these tacos around the pizza. You guys may have seen it on Instagram or something. They'll make their own tortillas. They'll go through all this whole crazy process of making their own, you know, babacoa or carne asada for for it. So when it's done well, I still respect it, you know. But when it's kind of like just the frozen Philly cheesesteak thrown on top of the pizza, it's like congealing in the corner, I like that neighborhood pizzeria, it's not my thing. I think it's interesting, I mean, building on that, just how much of a role where the pizza is made plays into what happens to it. And, you know, New York has changed so much in the last couple of decades. The Italian communities are not as cohesive as they used to be. Mm -hmm. How has that influenced who is making our pizza now, what it tastes like, and how do you feel about that? Yeah, very interesting. So when I was a kid growing up, we would go to 18th Avenue, and 18th Avenue in my neighborhood was like 
just the place for everything. You know, you go to the avenue to get whatever you needed. And, of course, on my block or in the next couple blocks next to me, there were a bunch of great pizzerias. And there was this golden age, in my opinion, of pizza, just for what you said, was there were these Italian neighborhoods that were extremely cohesive and together. And a lot of the old-timers, they didn't break rules, you know. If any of you guys have eaten in Italy, you you know how crazy Italians could be about tradition and rules. So, um... A lot of the pizzerias I grew up going to were so special because you had these guys that were really putting their heart and soul into it. And I think as time has changed, you know, sometimes the pizzerias were sold or people took them over and you started to see a lot of them go downhill. But we're in New York, so they were still surviving because it's pizza in New York. But we're getting another generation of people that care. And to me, it doesn't matter if you have, you know, an Italian guy, a Mexican guy, a a Chinese guy making you pizza. It's, It's about, like, the way you run your business, you know. And the most talented guys I've ever worked with have been South American guys making pizza. And the pizzas that we make, I think, come out great, so... It's uh, some people, you know, I remember being a kid and being like, ah, I don't want to go to that pizzeria anymore. There's no more Italians making the pizza. And I used to think to myself, like, that's such a stupid, you know, is the pizza good or not? You know, Um, who cares who's making it? Is the place clean? Do the owners care? So uh, that's my philosophy on it. But it definitely has changed for sure. So you have a whole show around pizza. You run pizza kitchens. Is there any point at which you think you're going to run out of stories to tell about pizza? Another good question. You know, I thought that in the beginning, actually. I was like, how many pizzerias can we go to? And, like, how many different stories can we tell? But as we did it, a lot of the families and the pizzerias kind of felt similar, but they were all really unique in their own stories and, like, especially what they meant to their cities. So... This last trip that we went out to Detroit, it's like what these pizzerias mean to their cities, like this pizzeria, Buddies or, you know, Clovers. It's just people have been ordering from them for many years and they have this very, everyone has these great stories. And even though it's pizza and it's a pizzeria, they're, they're all unique. I think the rest of the world has now caught the bug as well. I just got back from Kuwait where I was open up a pizzeria in Kuwait and you could see that whether it's Kuwait or Korea or Hong Kong, London, I spend time in all those cities making pizza. It's everywhere. So I think there's a lot of stories to tell now. (laughs) Make sure to check out Frank's new series, The Pizza Show, at munchies.vice.com. That's it for now. Thanks for listening. For more news and culture, check out vice.com and tune in again tomorrow for another Vice Guide to right now. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.